0: Welcome to the Irresistible Marketing Pod, a fun alternative to your inner critic when you're trying to grow your business. I'm your host, Issa Gauchi, your marketing confidence cheerleader and owner of the M. Issa Messaging Digital Marketing Agency, which is about to turn two years old this Wednesday, March 29th, 2023. I am so proud of the little marketing agency that could, and I I'm really happy to be among the businesses that have made it this far, which is an accomplishment. I'm not going to lie. And because this feels like an important milestone in my business and there's been so many transformations and evolutions and challenges and breakthroughs and exciting moments, I really want to be taking this week of um, my business's second anniversary to be doing a lot of reflecting. And one of the most incredibly potent lessons that I've learned from a mistake that I have honestly made over and over and over again is what I want to share with you today. Because if there is one thing I could save other entrepreneurs from, if I could, it would be picking the safe choice for what to sell instead of the choice that is right for you. So the safe choice is not the safe choice. That's the title of today's episode. And we're going to go all into detail about why safe doesn't mean what you think it means when it comes to entrepreneurship and business. So Picking what we think is safe, what we think will sell over what's actually our sole calling, the thing we actually want to be doing every day, the people we actually want to be working with, the way in which we conduct business. I've seen people opt for what they think is the safe, the conventional choice over and over again. And let me tell you, it causes a lot of problems in business. It is the most common thing that I have to have a heart-to-heart intervention-style conversation about with any of my marketing confidence cheerleader clients because this is such a common phenomenon. So now, dear listener, whoever you are, wherever you are, let me remind you that you don't need anybody's permission to go after what you really want. And let me explain why going after what you really want is actually the safe choice in your business. So let me give you a few examples of clients and colleagues and what this looks like when they pick what they think is the safe choice over what they actually want to offer their customers. So one fabulous person wants to sell to coaches, the more woo-woo the better. But she's been messaging to traditional talk therapists and structuring her programs as though that is the, going to be the main client in them. Another uh, fabulous client has bold, original productions that cross and push boundaries and do new things and are exciting and interesting and new and radical but their messaging in their marketing as though they only want the most conservative of tenured professors to be in their audience, which is not actually their target audience at all. Another fabulous, brilliant entrepreneur opened her business daydreaming about offering astrology to solopreneurs to help them plan launches and such. But instead, she opted for selling very clean, very sterile, very attractive, yes, but um, very different vibe, web design to mainstream doctors who aren't into that woo-woo stuff and might even judge her if they knew that she was. And then I myself, when I opened my business, I knew from the very, very start, I wanted to work with queer, BIPOC, radical, feminist, small business baddies, But I designed my initial suite of services as though I still had to appeal to apolitical, diversity-free tech mammoths who were skeptical of creativity and the power of messaging and the power of emotional connection in marketing and only cared about numbers and statistics and studies and data to back it up and were afraid to try anything new, which is, you know, really not my ideal client right now. But my initial suite of offerings, my initial messaging, the way I spoke in my marketing, the copywriting, the jargon I used, the positioning I used, the way I described the value I was bringing to table. Initially, it was all to a customer I don't actually want to serve. So what the fuck is up with that? Why, when we finally, finally get the chance to do our own thing in our own businesses, free from the man, do we not actually do what we want to do? Why, when we're free to do our own thing, are we picking what we think is a safe choice instead of what we actually, actually want? It comes down to this. We... Socially, culturally, interpersonally, have a big misconception about what the safe choice actually is. In all of these examples, we didn't do the thing we actually wanted to do because we have been trained to believe that what we want to do can't possibly make us money. So we settle. We pick from choices that we've already seen other people make. But this... My friends is a big, whopping mistake. The attitude that is actually the safe choice is, I'm gonna just describe a scene from one of my favorite movies, which is The Princess Bride, where um Princess Buttercup and um Wesley are running away from Prince Humperdinck, and they're going um through, uh, I forget what it's called. They're going through this, like, dangerous... Oh, they're going through the fire swamp. This dangerous place. And they're running along, and Princess Buttercup says, we'll never survive. And Wesley goes, nonsense. You're only saying that because no one ever has. And, like, that is the attitude. That is the attitude you want as an entrepreneur. Where you believe that you can do it, regardless of re- whether you've seen anyone else do it before you. So... Here's why what you think is the safe choice is not actually the safe choice to sell. I'm going to go into detail on each of these, but number one, everyone else is doing it. If we think the safe choice is something that someone else has done and a bunch of other people have already done successfully, it's saturated. It's already crowded. It's going to be a lot harder for you to stand out. Number two, it is so much freaking harder to sell something you're not that into. So let's go into detail on these. So number one, everyone else is already picking the safe choice. So we are wired to seek out certainty in order to feel safe. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we might want to bring a little bit more nuance to our understanding of this. We tend to equate certainty with the familiar, the predictable, the things we've seen done before so many times that they're considered normal and we think we're supposed to be normal or the herd might reject us and we'd be abandoned to the dangerous wilderness to fend for ourselves. However, this evolutionary impulse hasn't kept pace with the rapidly changing markets of the digital age. Hey, fellow millennials, remember how we were all told we just needed a college degree and our financial future would be set for life? Am I right? Here's the thing. Just because other people have done it before does not make it a safe choice for you. Just because other people have enjoyed financial success in this field in this way does not mean that you will. Remember, the more crowded the field, the more you have to stand out. Conversely, just because you don't have an example of someone succeeding at the exact specific thing you want to do does not mean that you won't succeed. Hell, maybe you're daydreaming about it because you are meant to be the first. You are meant to be the trailblazer, the shining, hope-giving inspiration for those who come after. When you make your own niche, you've got zero competition. Your marketing will stand out no matter what because you're doing your own thing and no one else can do you better than you do you no one else can do you better than you do you number two it is so much harder to sell something that you're not passionate about if you don't actually want to provide what you're offering you're going to have a really hard time selling it true story rather than warm and welcoming you're likely to come across as defensive desperate or just plain off in your sales and marketing you're much more likely to interpret innocent questions from clients and leads as pushback or criticism. If you're undercharging, you'll start feeling resentful of your customers and eventually they're definitely going to notice that you're resentful of them. If you sell something you're not that stoked about, you're not that into, especially if you're undercharging for it, you'll start to despise selling. You'll dread marketing and serving your customers, no matter how safe that offer is, no matter how moneyed the market for that product or service is. And trust me, when sales and marketing stall, you're going to be even more resentful, even more money scared, even more afraid. And all all those challenging emotions are going to be amplified when the marketing and selling efforts that you do make to sell the thing you're not even that into in the first place don't pan out. It's just like a downward spiral, and trust me, you really, really don't want to be in this position, and I don't want you to be in that position either. So, I'm going to scare you a little more, and then I'm going to give you hope. But for real, for real, the energy is very different when you're trying to sell something you don't actually want to provide. But when you're telling an aligned customer that you know you can help about your sole purpose work, you light the fuck up and you light up in a way that's really, really hard to fake when you're not actually that into it. Let's look at it from the customer's perspective. And I'm gonna give you an analogy. Take the example of going to buy clothes. Two boutiques are next to each other. You go into the first one. You walk into the store and the attendant seems stressed out, harried, or indifferent. They Zoom by you, and the vibe is, ugh, I guess I can help you, but I'm really busy right now, and I'm preoccupied with all this other stuff, so helping you is kind of inconveniencing me. The stuff you might want is over there. Okay, cool. All right, are you ready to check out? And then when you don't buy, they seem kind of offended, put out, or like they're making it mean something about them, and you're just like, I just came in for some clothes, and I don't get the impression that you want me as a customer. <laughs> So you go next door. In this boutique, an attendant welcomes you with a huge smile, beaming enthusiastically, offers you a glass of champagne, makes some pleasant chat with you, asks you what you're looking for, and helps you find the absolutely perfect fit that looks more flattering on you than you'd ever dreamed or hoped for and is just perfect for the occasion, The attendant lets you know how the cut is flattering on you. She tells you how great you look. Maybe she takes some pictures of you looking super cute. And then she tells you about all the pride she has in this outfit she helped you pick it out. About who made it the ethical business practices that went into it, the eco-friendly materials, the artistry, and how the store donates a percentage of the proceeds to your choice of three charities. And she tells you all of this with enthusiasm, with warmth, with a genuine desire to help you find what you're looking for and make your freaking day. Which store are you going to be spending your money in? Which store are you coming back to? Which store are you telling your friends about and leaving a nice Yelp review for? It ain't store number one, people. It's store number two. It's obviously the place where you feel welcomed, the place that is thrilled to serve you with warmth and enthusiasm and knows how much they value you as a customer and how much pride they take in their work and how what they can provide is exactly what you need to get what you want. So... I want you to have the vibe of store number two. Let's give you a quick three-part vibe check to see if that's the case. So come with me on this imagination journey, folks, onto the imaginary school bus. Let's picture this. Tomorrow, you sell your offer. You sell your target number of products. So you get the thing you think you want. You sell the offer. You sell the products, so and now you have to fulfill it. How do you feel? A. Thrilled. You can't wait to get started. B. Exhausted. Wondering how the fuck you're going to summon the energy to serve this client or get those products shipped. All right. Vibe check number two. You sell your offer tomorrow. And your A bursting with ideas on how to fucking deliver the best ever customer experience. Or B, you sigh and pull up an arduous template that you've borrowed from someone else, some other guru, when it comes time to fulfill the order and it feels overwhelming and tiring and you are very tempted or perhaps even do procrastinate getting that order out the door or serving that client. Vibe check number three, you sell your offer tomorrow. And the money you'll receive in exchange for that offer is in an amount that brings you emotional ease and excitement. Or B, if you sell the offer tomorrow, it won't make much of a difference to the financial stress and fear you're already experiencing. You'll still be freaking out about money, even if you sell something tomorrow. As you probably guessed, You want to have answered A to all of the above vibe checks. If you answered B to questions one or two, that's about how you feel um, about serving the customer and delivering on the offer, you're selling the wrong offer. If you answered B to those first two vibe checks, we already know already. We don't even have to worry about question three. We just know the offer is wrong. If you answered B to question three, does the money feel like enough to bring you ease and excitement in exchange for what you're selling? And if you answered B to this question, double your freaking price and then see if it changes your answer to questions one and two. And yes, I just said double your price because I don't know a femme entrepreneur or an entrepreneur who has lived experience, and a marginalized identity who didn't wildly undercharge at some point in her business, especially early on. So double that freaking price and then do this vibe check again. And if you still feel meh about delivering on that offer, wrong offer. You're not offering something you actually want to sell. You're offering what you think or you've been told is the safer choice, but it's actually not. So here is the most important question of all for you. If money weren't a problem, if you didn't have to worry about money at all zero zip, what would you actually want to provide? What would you want to be spending your days doing and who would you be doing it for? What's that offer? Sell that thing. The real safe choice is the thing you actually want to sell. And let me tell you why. When you sell what you actually want to sell, it's so much easier to stand out in a memorable and attractive way. It's so much easier to welcome in new customers and serve them well without burning yourself out. This is why my favorite business coaches preach that you should be literally horny for your offer. Like that's the word. I'm trying to remember which one of my coaches said that, but the word is horny. Like, that's how into your offer you are. So please, please do not let anyone convince you that it's smart business to just do what other people are doing. The smart business choice is to be authentically you. And being authentic requires you to offer what you actually want to provide. Don't sell shit you don't truly want to give people won't buy it. So why are we like this? Why is this a thing? Why are so many of us pre-settling by selling an offer that stops short of what we really want to do? I have a few theories. Roll with me. Number one, a lot of us were trained to believe that our safety depends on our ability to people please. So we try to anticipate what other people want from us rather than checking in with ourselves about what we want. We struggle with codependency in relationships and in designing our own businesses. So if you know in your romantic relationships, in your familial relationships, in your friendships, you are a people-pleasing codependent. And I'm not saying that to label you or shame you because I am one of those as well and recovering myself but if you see that you're if you see a lot of people pleasing a lot of codependency popping up in your personal life there's a very very good chance it's also showing up in your business my love number 2 when we weren't our own bosses we were hit hard by the gender and or racial pay gap we were punished by the man for asking for what we needed wanted and deserved so we learned to ask for less to shield ourselves from the disappointed of being told we don't get to have and we don't deserve what we really want, what we really need. Number three, we haven't quite accepted that we are, in fact, allowed to have what we want and that we're allowed to want at all. And number four, we haven't deprogrammed the harmful belief that money only comes from hard, grueling, unpleasant work. When that's the belief system we're operating with, we define safety in a very unsafe way. We think to be safe is to please anyone we come into contact with in order to avoid any potential conflict, even if it means violating our own boundaries. We think to be safe is to do what we have to do to get that money in a conventional way, even if it means accepting far less than what is fair. We think to be safe is to dissociate from our desires so that we never have to feel the pain of not getting what we want or being told we don't deserve it. We think to be safe is to accept without question grueling, draining and unpleasant work as the best we can hope for to make a decent living. Now, that does not sound very safe to me. Does it to you? Here's the thing: The most important lesson I think I've learned in these first three years or excuse me, first two years of my business is that it's really, really important to redefine what safe is for yourself. Honestly, my business would not have made it if I hadn't redefined what it means to me. So here's what safe means to me now. Number one, my needs are met. Number two, my boundaries are respected. And number three, I'm free to enjoy my unalienable right to to pursue happiness. And let me tell you, my life, my business, and my bottom line are so much better since I've done this healing work. And um, if you heard that weird groan as emphasis, that was my puppy snoring in his sleep. So anyway, back to our topic. I know that I am safe within myself no matter what. This is the work that I'm proudest of having done in my first two years of business, learning that I know how to feel safe within myself, no matter freaking what is going on out there. I know I always have my own back. I trust myself to handle any challenge thrown my way with grace. I trust myself to learn the lessons I need to from the mistakes I make. I know I will love myself no matter how many times I fail or fuck up. I know I'm allowed to offer what is fun for me to give and to receive an abundance of money in return. Really, this work, this inner work, redefining safety for myself and building self-trust is what actually changed the game in my business for me. This is what made it so I didn't become one of the 30% of businesses that fail by year two. But here's something that is kind of hard about this. You in yourself and in your business are going to feel so much better and stronger by redefining safety for yourself in this way. But this new understanding is likely to confuse some of the people around you, which might mean you need, you might need to start looking for other healthier sources for emotional support and validation in this entrepreneur, entrepreneurship journey than people who haven't also simultaneously or previously done the work to redefine safety for themselves in this way. When I redefined safety for myself in this way, let me tell you, it really confused and freaked out a lot of the people around me because now I felt safe even when going into debt because I didn't want to split my focus between my business and a part-time job. I felt safe even when I doubled my prices and doubled them again. I felt safe even when cutting popular services I no longer enjoyed providing so I could concentrate on offering my unconventional marketing confidence cheerleading instead. I felt safe referring leads to other businesses when it was work I could do but didn't want to. I felt safe trusting my marketing expertise, despite having a small little itty-bitty social media following and other vanity metrics that people think are more important than they actually are. And you know what? This is the confidence of a future millionaire, of an entrepreneur who's going to make it, of a business that is going to get bigger and better and bigger and better. This is the confidence of someone who people beg to pay to learn a little of that confidence from. This is the confidence of someone who makes money with ease and utterly rejects the grind. This is the confidence of someone who can't be rattled by concerned trolls, nasty trolls, or even the anxious but well-meaning negative Nancys in her life. This is the confidence of someone who knows what she wants. And this is the confidence of someone who goes and gets it. Don't you want that for you? I want for that for you. And I want you to have the support you need to develop this unshakable sense of inner safety, this brilliant, unwavering confidence, no matter what the naysayers in your life or even your own super mean inner critic says. If you're ready for your whole life and your whole business to rocket into the upper stratosphere of your dreams, please Do yourself a favor, do your business a favor, do your heart a favor, and sign up to work with me one-on-one with Season of Support, my beloved 12-week one-on-one cheerleading program where we'll make sure you're stoked, not settling, in your business. You can learn more at the link in the show notes. And if you'd like to infuse your marketing with some irresistible magic, make sure you're signed up for my free newsletter, which is also linked in the show notes. I give out all kinds of good stuff there for free. So even if working with me one-on-one isn't yet in your budget, I'll still give you business breakthroughs just through that newsletter and also through this podcast. So do make sure you're subscribed here as well. And if you enjoyed this episode and would like to keep them coming, please leave me a five-star review so more people can find and enjoy this podcast. Your feedback goes such a long way and is so very deeply appreciated. All right, my love, please go and design the business that lets you live the life you want and do what you want. And please stop pre-settling before you've even given people or the market a chance to opt in on your soul work. All right. Love you all. Bye.